Welcome to Fearless TV. If you'd like to know more about Fearless, you can check us out on Instagram or on our website, fearlessla.com. The following message is entitled Status Quo, Permission Granted, Rip the Roof Off by Pastor Jeremy Johnson. Enjoy the video. Thank you for watching. I need to preach a message today simply entitled, Permission Granted, Rip the Roof Off. Hebrews, it's a, it's a nice, sensitive, real calm message. Uh, Hebrews 11, chapter uh, 1. Now, this is not going to go on the screen, uh, but I just want to read it in your hearing. Hebrews 11, chapter 1, it says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, say it with me. One, two, three. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Somebody say it's the evidence of things not seen. Then it says this in verse uh, 3, Hebrews 1, 3. It says, by faith... By this uh, substance of things hoped for and evidence of things unseen, by it, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, that word's pretty important. <laughs> if not for the word, if the word falls apart, then the sun falls apart. Rochelle has a glass in her hands. Hold that glass up. That glass is framing the substance that's in it. If the frame is removed, then the substance falls apart. The worlds, according to this, were framed by the word of God. The worlds, the, the world we're standing on, the air we're breathing, the life we're living is literally framed and held together by the word of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty amazing word. That's a pretty powerful word. I need the word. Somebody say, I need the word. Wow. The worlds are framed by the word of God. Not just any word, by the word of God. So that the things that are seen are not made of things which are visible. Basically what that's saying is what you have didn't come from here. What you see didn't come from here. It was made in another place. Or like Santa's workshop, God created the sun with a little hammer and sent it into existence, into this earth. How big is God's kingdom? How vast is God's kingdom? How powerful is heaven invading earth? When God said heaven's about to invade earth, that was a bad, amazing, incredible statement. Why do I say that? Because don't let the natural, normal life get so overwhelming that you think heaven has shrunk. Don't think for a second that heaven has shrunk because your problem got big. <laughs> Your problem could fit in heaven without even trying. It would get lost in a second. <laughs> That's maybe why God says, I already lost your sin, because it's covered in heaven, uh, because my atmosphere is so big. You're looking at this little thing, and on earth it looks big, but you're walking from a different perspective. I'm flying at a different level than you, and what looks big to you looks really small to me. And he says this, but without faith... Verse number six, it is impossible to please him or impossible to please God. Say, I got to have faith. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Good, good. Now we're going to swip over to Mark uh, chapter 2, and uh, I, 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 I want to preach that, what I just said to you, but I'm just going to hold off for sake of time so I can get to the real text, uh, but just keep that in your mind, that faith uh, is the substance of things hoped for. Mark chapter two, I'm gonna read you two different versions, so please uh, just hang with me for a second. If I could just bore you for a second to take you on a deeper journey. Is that okay? Uh, we don't have to have all action in the movie. Can we just go uh, to, to the text for a second? And uh, it says this in Mark chapter two, verse number one, and they'll have it on the screen. This is new, uh, new international version. And so I wanna read two different versions because one is easier to understand and one has a deeper meaning. And so uh, the one with the deeper meaning is trying to translate the exact words. Uh, like if we were to uh, come up here and sing a song that we sang today directly in Spanish and we were to translate it directly, we might lose some meaning or it might get awkward in some things because not everything translates exactly from language to language. And so I'm going to read you the second one. It's going to be a little harder to understand, but the words are more, are more congruent with what was actually said. And if we can pull that down, we can extrapolate and pull out some of the deeper meaning and actually chew on some of the meat today. Is that okay? Uh, so the first one I'm gonna read, just so if you've never been in church, uh, that we can all join in the story and get there, okay? So Mark chapter two, verse number one in the NIV version, uh, they're trying to make it modern for us. It says, a few days later, somebody say a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, uh, the people heard that he had come home. Somebody say, it's time for Jesus to come home. <laughs> so many gathered there, so many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed person. The person was carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, some religious, some proper folks were sitting there, some church people, uh, the people the man couldn't get into the house to see Jesus because of, they were taking up a seat and also thinning the air. Uh, now, that, that's my version added to the. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, touch your neighbor and say, be careful when you think to yourselves and don't think with his word. Why does this fellow talk like that? All of a sudden, Jesus has just become a fellow. Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And notice that the Pharisees or the religious people always use partial truth without using all truth. Uh, because it was true that only God could forgive sins. But they, what they missed is that Jesus was both God and both man at the same time. And half-truths will always equal a whole lie. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that he, this is what they were saying and thinking in their hearts. Uh, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? And they tripped out because all they did was thought it, and Jesus knew it. That's, that's kind of creepy. Can you imagine right now you thinking something, the speaker go, why are you thinking that? 
But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive on earth, verse 10. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. He got up immediately. He took up his mat, and he walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, permission granted. Rip the roof off. Church as normal is when a group of believers begins to grant permission to God to rip the roof off. Now I do need to let you know that this was a real person's house that they really owned. Someone that worked hard for a living to have this house. Someone that, that built from, from nothing to something. Uh, and in fact, uh, the most dangerous part of the house they were meeting in is it was Peter's stepmom's house. Uh, there, ain't, there is someone that I don't want to make angry in my life, and it is my stepmom. And they were gathering in Peter's uh, stepmom's house because we know a happy wife and you have a happy life and a happy stepmom and you have a happy wife and a happy life. And here's Peter and he's in his stepmom's house. He's allowed Jesus to take up residence in his home. Jesus is now invading his home. It gets real when Jesus comes into your home. It's one thing when he's at the temple, but it gets real dangerous and wild when he comes into your house. When you invite him into a place Place, uh, that you live in a place where you dine and you wake up the place where you have good and bad days not just good days at church I came to talk to some real people today though uh, I know you look nice but I didn't come to look at your nice outfit today I, I know you smell nice but I didn't come to smell your cologne today I came to preach the word to you today I, I hope that's okay we're gonna go a little deeper today and, and Peter got to the point where he got he got so okay with this Jesus being in his life that he invited him into his stepmom's home. And it's not the first time he had been there. In fact, the first time that Peter brought him there was actually another moment along the journey uh, where his stepmom was sick with fever. And you may wonder why the stepmom gave permission to the men to rip a hole in the roof of her house. I mean, if you talk to any women in this room, uh, it's going to get dangerous if they, if, if they really admit to like, you can do what you want to my house. Like uh, me and my wife, uh, we're, we're about to move and, and uh, I can tell when we're about to move because something happens in my wife. Uh, it's, it's called the nest. She has a nest, I call her mama bird. And when her nest gets disrupted, it messes her up. And just the other day I just said, it's okay mama bird, just put the wings down because uh, she, she's packing already and she's, she's grabbing boxes and she can't think. She cannot sit down and hang out and watch a show as usual. As long as her house is in disarray, she feels like she is in disarray. But this woman had lost her identity in her house and realized that the king wanted to come into this house because when she was sick and the king came into her nest, he healed her. 
She was in the bed with a fever, and back in those days when you got a fever, it meant that you, you may not be okay. You may not make it through the night. And the Bible says that Jesus prayed over Peter's uh, mother-in-law, and she got out of the bed, and instantly she began to serve them. Now, that's, that's, that's an amazing uh, moment right there that she, he was, she was healed by him, and instantly she wanted to give gratitude back to God. It is not normal to get saved and get changed by the Lord and not want to give up everything to him. And she got up and she began to give up everything. And in fact, that house became the meeting house. It became the headquarters. He didn't have an office in downtown LA on the fifth floor. It was a house party all the time. And they would sometimes leave the house because after that miracle, people began to hear in the streets. I don't know how people heard about the miracles of Jesus, but all that has to happen in this house is one miracle. We can pass out as many flyers as we want. We can have the best sermons. We can have an incredible worship, but one dead person to get out of a casket in downtown LA, one lame person to get up and start walking, one jacked up dead person to start coming alive spiritually in this place, and the word will break out so quickly we won't have time to get them a flyer because the Holy Spirit will begin to invite people in when we had a youth ministry I couldn't invite people they wouldn't come I'd invite them to a big play and the next week it would be dead again but we started having people get healed in our service and I had to turn people away. We had to move into a new sanctuary. I'm believing that supernatural invade this place and that real people, broken people will get restored, not just saved, but get redeemed to the point where we look different to people. This is why we have to get real here. Because as soon as she was healed, they started coming to the door. They didn't come in the house yet, they just came to the door. And Jesus stood at the door because they weren't willing yet to come all the way in, so he went out to them. And the Bible says that so many sick and paralyzed and demon-possessed people started showing up at the door, and Jesus, it said at nightfall, because it was too dangerous for him to heal at that time in the day, at nightfall, sunset, there would be thousands gathered outside this house. He would heal the sick, cast off demons. It got so radical that he could not stay there any longer. They were waking him up in the middle of the night, so he took, took a journey. He said, we gotta go. We gotta go to a private place. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus, uh, when he would get in a town, like literally the town would be turned upside down. The Bible says this, that, that Jesus had to draw away to lonely places. Uh, that, that as you grow as a leader, it might actually get lonelier at times because people start wanting what you have instead of who you know. And so sometimes you gotta pull away from their praise so you don't get caught up in their praise and get caught up in their running from you as well. And so Jesus pulled away and it was packed in the house and he began his journey. For only three years did Jesus walk out what he was called to do. He prepared for 30 and walked it out for three. I would love to stop there, side note, for our generation that wants to prepare for three months and live out a lifetime of their call. But I'm just kind of, I don't really have time for it, but just to drop that in the bucket for a second. If we're still complaining that God hasn't used us yet, maybe we haven't passed the test in front of us so that we could be prepared for what's coming. Jesus waited 30 and worked for three and changed the world more than any of us will ever touch it. Yet, he said we will do greater things than him. Maybe it's not his word that is in standing. Maybe we're not standing in his word long enough to actually know it, to preach it. I want to tell you this. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get prepared, get prepared, get prepared. Prepare now, prepare now. 
Just because you don't have a microphone does not mean God has not given you a voice. And the voice may not be to speak out. Maybe the voice is he needs to speak in before you can speak out. And Jesus begins traveling, but he doesn't start traveling till he meets John the Baptist out in the middle of the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan is powerful because it meant something for the Israelites. People, Galileans, groves of people were meeting this dude with camel's hair that ate locusts and preached repentance. Sounds real secret sensitive to me. Sounds real hidden to me, but groves of people were coming to meet him at a river because that river signified something. It was an alignment of what the prophets had said to what was about to come into the new era. It was the past pressing them into the future. It was that river, the Jordan River, where John the Baptist baptized, where they came to Joshua and his men from the wilderness to cross into the promised land. That river signified the end of one section of your life and the beginning of new. And it was that river that John was taking the dead man and he was rising up new people in baptism and repentance. And it was that river that Jesus stepped in from being a boy to being a man. From the carpenter's son to the son of man. From just Jesus to Jesus the Christ. For when he came down and the rock came out, It's interesting to note that this Jordan River, when when Moses got to his river, to his moment, to his problem, God did it and then he stepped into it. And they worship after God was done. But God isn't looking for a Moses generation, he's looking for a Joshua generation. Joshua was always a part of the journey with God. Joshua always almost had to be overtaken to prove that God had put a redeemer and overcomer inside of him, not just outside of him. Moses prays after the sea closed and the dead bodies washed up of his enemies. Joshua gets to the river and God says, step in it and then I'll stop it. You see, you may have to step in to what freaks you out. God's not going to change it until you step in it. God's not going to transform it until you walk into it. And just the touch of the water that could have took you out and a reminder that God's got your back even when the waters come against you, even when the floods rise. Joshua, I'm training you. I'm training you not to see with your eyes, but to see with your spirit. Not to feel with your body, but to feel with your spirit. Because sooner than later, God would bring Joshua before the walls of Jericho and say, see, It's exactly how you see it. It's tightly shut up. But let me tell you why it's tightly shut up. It's not tightly shut up because it's going to attack you. Although, Joshua, those are big and powerful armies behind that wall. It's tightly shut up because walls are not offensive weapons. They're defensive weapons. And Joshua, see how its men are behind the wall? They're not there because you should be afraid of them. They're there because they're afraid of you. And it's tightly shut up, Joshua, because you're here, because you trust me in the wilderness and you trusted me with this land and I trusted me with the river and so you can trust me can I tell you Joshua generation look at the wall and see it from a different perspective God's calling you out of your perspective God's calling you out of your opinion you cannot see with his opinion and perspective as long as you believe yours is ruler 
That's the problem with our generation. We think our opinion is God. We have ideologies of what we believe and what we think. Can we just get back to the Bible? Can we just read this thing and let it open? Look, we're so open-minded, our brains are falling out. Maybe we need to get his word inside of our heart. Maybe we need to get inside of us so that when we step into the river, why do I tell you that whole story? Because after they got out of the river and God closed it up, God told Joshua, send 12 men back into the middle of the river. Send them back into, why? Send them back in. And when you go back in, I want you to grab the 12 biggest stones. It's a competition. Whatever stone you want to grab for your tribe, you hold it down. So they're literally, in in Israel, there is a place where the 12 stones sit to this day. He said, I want you to go into the middle of the storm and lift up something. I want you to bring with you something from what should have took you out. I want you to put it on the, de- the side of the river and so that when you look at that, you will praise God because he got you through that. I, I want you to go into the middle of the storm and lift up a middle praise for later. I, I want you to praise when it's not worked out. I want you to go into the middle and pick up the rock out of the middle. And when we take the rock out of the middle and we put it on the side, it's going to give us a shout of praise when it's not working out. Because if God got us through that, he could get us through anything. And it's unique to notice that it was the Jordan that the rock of ages was put down into and then pulled out by the Holy Spirit and his name was Jesus. Into the same water, we pull out the rock of ages that is giving us a middle praise right now and that Jesus is all the sign we need as long as we can see Jesus. And they pulled them out and he went on a war path, man. He, the Bible says he went into their synagogues and cast out demons. <laughs> Basically, he went into their churches and cast out the demons off the religious people. That would freak people out. I've, I've, I've been around uh, some of the greatest heroes of faith in my life, a guy named Reinhard Bonnke. It's dangerous if he starts preaching to pastors. He preaches to millions of people that do not know Christ and millions get saved. They literally have to take trolleys and cars to get to the altar call. Like, hey, you want to you receive Christ back there? Okay, there's going to be a bus pulling up in five minutes to get you here. That's how many people. You can't see the end. And yet he'll speak for pastors and they're bored, waiting for their coffee time. One pastor meeting he spoke to, he said, you guys don't want what I have. And before we go any further, we're going to have to cast some demons out of this room. <laughs> that's a radical thing to say to pastors and preachers. <laughs> but that's what Jesus was doing. He was, he, was on a, he was on a demon casting out tour through the synagogues. I mean, he was upsetting everyone he could upset. This Jesus was calm, gentle, and collective. No, no, no. He was radical, man. He, 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 he didn't hate people. He hated the religion that, was, that had jumped on them to destroy the call and the destiny of their life. <laughs> Healings happened. Miracles happened. And Jesus' fame grew in the earth and everyone wanted to see him. He would show up to a countryside and 5,000 people would show up and they would forget to eat lunch. (laughs) That's a miracle right there. They forgot to eat lunch, eight hour day. He calmed the storms. The disciples were sent in the boat to touch the man with 
legions of demons, but they did not know that the storm was not a disconnected test, that it was actually connected the whole time. And if they couldn't trust them in the storm, they would never trust them when they got to land. And the storm came and they woke Jesus up. And when they woke Jesus up, uh, he was sleeping because he wasn't nervous about the storm because he didn't come to die in the storm. He came to give his life up for all mankind. And they woke him up and he just looks at it and he said, you have little faith. What was he trying to do? He was trying to increase their faith. You have little faith. Oh, did you really think we were going down like that? Did you really think, uh, things were waking me up, but you could, basically what he was saying is you could have calmed the storm that you woke me up to calm, but your faith is so little that you thought we were going down like that. He said, you have little faith. He calms the storm. They get to the other side, and there's this man with legion, two, two men, actually, that come to him. I, I never read that, but there were two men that came to him with legions of demons on him. The Bible says that they were so violent that no one could enter that way. They, they begged Jesus, are you here to destroy us? This is what the demons start talking to Jesus. Are you here to destroy us? It's not our time yet. And Jesus goes, get out of the, the man, right? But they say, do we have to leave the land? Do we have to leave the region? Could we just go in those pigs over there? See, see what the enemy wants. He doesn't care about men and women on this earth. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about people that think they're, they're, they're summoning up secret things and different things. He doesn't care about people. He cares about the land. He wants to possess the land. This is why the devil's nervous that we're in downtown LA because we're here to bring the light to downtown and we're gonna kick the enemy out of this place in the name of Jesus. And they know we're here. I was walking across the street this one day. I'm just being honest with you. I was walking across the street. Uh, as God is my witness, Kevin Steele, he's not here right now, but, but go ask him. Hit, hit him up. Instagram. We were walking across the street. We hadn't even started fearless yet. I was just down here praying. And this guy looks at us from the cross of the street, and he yells out, you're from fearless. He's fully demon-possessed. He runs across the street at us, full on. I'm thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen? And Kevin jumps in front of me, and it's almost like he didn't even see Kevin. He's just pointing at me, saying things. I just begin to pray. And I said, in the name of Jesus, back off. He turned around and started going like this, back across the street. Cars are flying by everywhere. And he kept saying, you're the fearless ones. You're the fearless ones. This is what was happening to Jesus. In fact, sometimes he would deliver someone from a demon, and he would tell the demon, shut up. Don't say anything, because I'm not ready to reveal myself yet. And the demon would go away quiet, and he would set the man free. See, Jesus wasn't about making a big show. He was about the Father's business. He was about obedience to timing. Look, sometimes it's about obedience to timing. I want my moment right now. This is my, no, Jesus is like, hey, shut up, be quiet. Don't even tell anyone I healed you. Go on your way, right? Because he wasn't about healing people. He was about redeeming all of mankind. And in all the things, and the most radical thing that happens is not the demons leaving, it's when the leprous man shows up and he comes on his knees to Jesus and he says, Father, would you heal me? And if you had leprosy, you were ostracized, you were stuck outside the city, you, didn't, you were not allowed community, you were not allowed the basics, faith, hope, and love, because it was your fault back then. If you had some great disease, it was believed that you had greater sin. So if you had leprosy, man, you must, I don't know what you did. 
You lost your family, you lost your friends. It was not something you were born with, it was something you contracted later on in life after you had built relationships, after you had made a job, after you had designed a calling. Here's this guy standing outside the wall and sees Jesus and he says, I'm, I'm just so sick of where I'm at. I cannot do this any longer. And if Jesus is who he says he is, then would you heal me? And Jesus he goes, if you're willing, would you heal me? And he doesn't touch him because in those days, if you were lepis from 30 feet away, you had to call out unclean unclean because if you got too close to someone that had leprosy what was on them would jump on you but this man had gotten close enough where Jesus could hear him he said if you're willing would you heal me and Jesus said I'm willing and the Bible says he touched him he touched him Jesus what are you doing check your hand because he knew who he was and he was not afraid to touch who he was you see, you see, when church people get too proper to touch broken people because what they have might jump on us, uh, the, the disease they have, I don't know if I should hang out with these people because these people, I, I might just start living like they're, no, no, if you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you should be able to touch the leprosy and what you have jumps up. That's why the Bible says Jesus hung out with notorious sinners notorious, not just sinners, the bad ones. He was eating dinner with them. Maybe it's time we, as the church, go eat dinner with someone that we don't all the way feel comfortable with their lifestyle, but we have an answer that is a message that will break down all barriers and curses. And when that happened, it got crazy. The Bible says then, right here we are in the story, that Jesus came home. He left because it got too wild and he snuck back into the house, but he wasn't there for long because the woman who owned the house was no longer just letting people come to the door because she saw what happened at the door and so she invited them all the way in. It started with her healing, then seeing others heal. Then she said, not just Jesus gets the pleasure of this, I want the pleasure of serving those who he brings into the house. I want them to, see it's one thing when you allow Jesus to invade your house and the people are still outside the door, but it's a whole nother level, baby, when you start inviting the broken into your life, messed up, unclean. Hey, come into my life. Come into my house. Upset my room. Messy the dishes. It's worth it. It's the Bible says that Jesus is preaching and there is a house party, baby. It's so wild and crazy that at this point, no one else can get in the room. No one else can squeeze into the building. Can you imagine this place being so full that the line goes all the way down the stairs and the security guards are going, we can't allow anyone else in. We're breaking all fire codes. If you put anyone else in that balcony, the balcony is coming down. Stop shouting. Bring your volume down because we don't have big enough speakers to compete with the crowd that's in this room and there was a party and the Bible says they were so pressed and they weren't worried about air conditioning and proper seating and they weren't worried about their parking space all they wanted was to get next to Jesus and get close to Jesus and it was a house party like no other party uh, it was not found in the temple it was found in the house and I want to tell you that Jesus doesn't want to break out revival in the temple he wants to break out in revival in our houses, in our lives, in our families. And they're packed. Every angle, every layer. And the Bible says there are three brothers or four brothers. One of them is Paulus, Palsy. 
One version says it's palsy. Other versions say paralytic, but I wanted you to hear the palsy because it's actually deeper than being a paralytic. To be palsy actually meant there was a part of you that was actually uncontrollable. Just to be paralyzed, that means that it's dead. The nerves don't connect white to the brain. You can't feel the pain coming from the outside. And there is a disconnect from what happens to you to what happens inside of you. And there are many people in the church that, that are paralyzed. There is a disconnect because the, the nerve endings in your body have been severed from past relationships and past situations. I always say this. When, when, when the emotion does not match the situation, there's something deeper going on than the current moment. When the emotion does not match the situation there's something deeper going on like for example when I preach people cry and others in the same room when we worship people dance and others in the same room when the emotion doesn't match the situation there's something deeper that has paralyzed us that the ins outside has no effect now on the inside and the inside has no effect on the outside but this man was beyond deadness he actually had parts of him he could no longer control have you ever met someone that there is stuff in their life so out of control the emotions in their life are so out of control that they literally have no control of them any longer he was beyond repair and sometimes we got to get beyond repair till we get desperate enough to find the healer of what we need repair for and this man, I, I guarantee he had never come to church. He wasn't a church kid. How unique is it that the church was packed? The church was full. They didn't need one more flyer. Things were happening. Miracles were flowing. In fact, the guest preacher was Jesus himself. Doesn't get much better than that. I can imagine if we could have T.D. Jakes as a guest speaker, I'd be like, oh my gosh, we have arrived. This is awesome. I'd be crying on the front row. House packed. Can you imagine this moment is a moment to celebrate? But for all the miracles that were happening in the house, there was still a dude outside the house that longed for nothing more than to touch Jesus. But the miracles in the crowd actually got in the way. You see, we could get so caught up in what's happening here. This is awesome. This is amazing that we build our own little house and we, we pack it so full with things that we actually have no room for anyone else in this place. This is my relationships. These are my friends. I'm so happy I finally got real relationships, deep connections that we miss, that there are still, no matter what's happening inside the house, there are still people outside the house and we're so packed that no one could get in and we've missed the fact that our whole duty is to usher people in to the presence but our lives because we want to be in the spot are now the comfort that's keeping them out you know you know the word Capernaum actually meant the comfortable city. Isn't it unique that Jesus planted his radical fire in the middle of a comfortable city? That he puts this story right in the middle of comfort because he wants to upset their comfort zones and they're stuck in the house and they're excited about the house. But there's a man that's sitting outside the house and he needs Jesus more than anybody in the house. He needs to hear his teaching. There are people that are crying. Can you hear their cries still? Are we singing? 
singing so loud and we're so excited about what God's doing. I'm excited too. I'm pumped too. I know that Jesus is here. I know that some of you found a home for the first time, but let's not miss. The point was not living in this home. The point is bringing the broken home with the rest of our lives. Let us never be a church that gets so full that we never need to do outreaches. Let us never be a church that gets so packed. As soon as we're packed, we're starting another service because we want to create room. As soon as all the positions are filled, we need another service so God can fill another bass player and another guitar player. I'm going to start believing him for youth pastors, not just a youth pastor. I'm going to start believing him for preachers, not just a preacher. Touch your neighbor and say, it's time to create some room. But the people were so caught up. You know, all the people were there for miracles, but Jesus didn't do a miracle. He starts preaching the word because he knows your greatest need is not a miracle. It's his word. And as long as his word gets in, miracles will begin to happen. You know why? Because the man wasn't a Christian. The man wasn't saved. There wasn't even Christians yet. Really, the, the first thing they were called is followers of the way, but these were just disciples. That's it. The man wasn't a disciple of Jesus. He wasn't a temple dweller. How do I know that? Because if you had uh, leprosy, if you had uh, uh, paralyzation, if you were blind, you actually weren't allowed in the temple. That's why they met the man at the temple gate beautiful, because he couldn't come in. You weren't allowed in. You were considered unclean because of the sin in your life. So this man had never been to church. So how did he believe for a miracle? And then the Bible says later, when Jesus saw their faith, how does this man have faith? How does Jesus, I mean, faith that you can see, the Bible says faith is the hope of things not seen. But now Jesus looked at the man when he drops in. He doesn't correct him. He doesn't look at, look at the mother of the house and go, oh, I'm so sorry this happened. I, I didn't know it was going to be that kind of party, right? As soon as the man dropped in, he said, I saw their faith. How did he see their faith if they weren't even Christians? I believe they were walking past that day. Four men, actually five men, you know that five in the Bible is significant for the number of grace? It says that there were four brothers and then there had to be one other because there were four corners. Touch your neighbor and say, everyone's got a corner. Everyone's got a place they got to hold. Man, maybe you don't hold the whole blanket because you can't. But if we're going to bring people in this house, everyone's got to grab their corner. Your corner might be picking up a chair. Your corner might be band practice. Your corner might be loving the hurting. Your corner might be just saying amen on Sundays. Your corner might be being faithful. But if we all grab a corner with the same mission of getting broken, hurting people to Jesus, I believe they were carrying them. And I don't even know if they knew where they were carrying. Maybe they, maybe they heard the word. Maybe they walked past. Maybe with their legs and they heard and they saw the commotion and they heard the words of Jesus. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And maybe just hearing a glimpse of his word gave them enough faith to say, man, let's go get Johnny. Let's go get our brother. I know he's sitting in that bed right now. Let's bring him to Jesus. The Bible says they climbed to the roof because there was no room in the house. I started thinking about this because we miss, we miss part of the story because we don't we don't, we don't interrogate the characters. So I started asking them questions. Started talking to these three brothers and the fourth that was lame and palsy, part of his life was out of control. And I said, why'd you go to the roof? I mean, wasn't there windows? Was there no back door? There had to be another way in. Like go to the roof? 
Like your brain first went to, let's just go dig a hole in the roof. Like that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Can you imagine someone not being able to get in here? And the first thing they think of is go to the top of the roof and dig a hole and climb down. Like that doesn't, especially with a paralyzed guy. Like, okay, how are we going to get him down? So I started questioning him. I said, why'd you do that? You know what they told me? They said this to me. They said, Jeremy, we didn't go to the roof to dig a hole in it. We went to the roof because it was the only place left to hear Jesus. From the roof, we could hear him outside the window. But once we heard him, once we begin to hear his word, because hearing the word develops faith, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Once we begin to hear the words that spoke the universe into existence from the edge of the roof, the faith in us grew so strong that we just looked for our only option in. And the Bible says they uncovered the roof. You know what I'm here to do today to do? To uncover the roof. I'm just trying to uncover the roof. I'm trying to uncover our lids. We all have lids. Lids of insecurity, lids of fear. We all box God in. They uncover the roof. Then the Bible says they started digging in the roof because their faith could no longer be contained and it could not be satisfied until it had what they hoped for. Watch this. Hebrews chapter 12 is called the heroes of faith, but I think it should be called those that touched hope. Because if we hear it that way, we think faith is the main character of the story. It's the side character. Hope is the main character of the story. There are three that remain, hope, faith, and love, but the greatest of these will be love. But the only reason why hope won't remain is because our faith will be fulfilled when we meet who we've hoped for. Hope is that we will meet Jesus face to face. The whole story is about our hope to meet him. Now look at this. If you have no faith, it's because you're not hearing the word. But if you're not hearing the word, it's because you have no hope. I can tell who in this room is in a fight. In the church, we focus on the sins, right? Lust, cheating on your, your spouse, anger, sins of the flesh. And we give a lot of stage to those and we remove people from leadership for those and we, we're, we're affected by those and we're hurt by those. But those aren't the only sins in the Bible. They're sins of the flesh, but there's also sins of the spirit. You know what God says to us? If you're those that shrink back, you have no part in me. That's not dealing with lust or anger or fear. That's dealing with the tenacity that's inside you to go after God and to continue to fall. If you don't pick up your cross and follow me, that is not dealing with sin. That's dealing with a fire. In, look, most people live to their 40 and then they die and they wait for Jesus to come back. Here's what I want to raise up in this last days. A generation that doesn't retire, but we refire. Maybe we retire from work for the man, but we will never retire from the kingdom at hand. Then we keep getting up. We keep fighting. I'm looking for some people that if you have to start over, you start over. You're going to keep getting up. And here's how I know who you are, because there's a hunger in your eyes. Because you come to this place and say, Pastor, you better feed me. You better give me some. Not that I only need you to feed me, but I got to eat today. I need some steak today. I need some real meat today. Because I'm on a journey that if I don't have food for this journey, I will die in the middle. 
and I need some real stuff. I need some stuff to chew on all week long. I need some meat that I can take apart. I need some challenges and some desperation. You see, it's not always the preacher's fault if people aren't into it. It's because we're preaching to fool people. We're preaching to settlers. I go all over the world and preach to settlers. People that have settled for having palsy. Can you imagine being those friends? I mean, how many moments did they want to give up? No, hey, we, didn't, we tried the window, we tried the door, we looked, we looked for an, a roof, but, but, but just not today, bro. Just probably not, today's not the day. I know Jesus is going to be around for a while. He just started this. this is, he's here every week. This is his headquarters. We'll just come back tomorrow. But there was some kind of desperation in them where they caught that today is the day for salvation. Look, if we can't get in the door, we're going in the window. And if we can't get in the window, we're climbing on the roof just to hear his word. And his word drew them through the roof. But there had to be someone in the house who said, I want them to experience Jesus so much. I could see as, as they started taking tiles off, Peter looked at Jesus. You know this is my mother-in-law's house, right? Jesus looked at Peter, and then Peter looked at his mother-in-law. There had to be someone in the house that gave permission to continue to rip the roof off. I guarantee the woman looked at Peter and looked at Jesus and said permission granted rip the roof off let him down baby because I know if he touches you if he touches you you know what she was saying Jesus everything in my life is yours my house is yours my family's yours my life is yours whatever you want to do this is your house I give you the keys, whatever. Permission granted. Rip the roof off our fears. Rip the roof off our insecurities. Rip the roof off our levels. Rip the roof off our limitations. Permission granted. Permission granted. Hey guys, we just heard an awesome message here, a powerful message from Pastor Jeremy Johnson at Fearless called Permission granted, rip the roof off. And in this message, we just saw these four brave guys who with, with a boldness in their faith were able to step out and would let no limitations hold them back from the power that God could do in somebody's life, that they could heal a friend of theirs who was paralyzed, who had an impairment in their life, and they wouldn't let anything hold them back. When circumstances uh, didn't make sense, when they couldn't get to Jesus, when they felt like uh, the religious people were turning them away, that it was too busy, it was too crowded, they wouldn't let uh, the blocked doors, the blocked windows stop them from encountering Jesus. And so they were able to go to a roof and a boldness and a crazy faith. They dug their way through a roof just so that their friend would encounter the love of God that would be healed, that their sins would be forgiven. And today we can just learn what are the caps in our life, what are the roofs in our life to stop us from encountering the love of God? What are the things that hold you back today? And we can learn just through this that we can step out in boldness in our faith, that nothing can hold us back from encountering the love of Jesus. So today we just want to pray with you and see that you encounter the love of God in your life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this powerful message, Father God, about these men in a boldness in their faith with no limitations holding them back from encountering your love, Father God. And we pray that that same love 
we would all encounter here today, Father God, whether we've been a Christian for our entire life or whether we're just meeting you right here now for the first time, God, that you would meet us where we're at, Father God. We thank you that you've forgiven us of our sins, Father God, that you have a, a love greater than we've ever known, Father God, and we pray that you would just pour that out on all these people listening to the message right now, Lord. In your name we pray, God. Amen.